Thanks for checking out this message from River Valley Church in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you. For more messages like this, make sure to check out our podcast. And for more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. Uh, I just want to take a moment and recap last week. Jason did easy. Jason did an amazing job last week of really bringing us into the place of being reminded that God has done some amazing things in our life. And he, he did some of these things and has called us into really a place of inheritance and possession. This was the kind of the theme of what Jason talked. If you did not listen to last week's message, I'm challenging you, go online and listen to it. Uh, it was a powerful message of reminding us that we live out of this place of inheritance and possession. Inheritance is something that somebody else did for us. For a reminder for you, God has done all of the heavy lifting in your life and mine. See, you and I were pros about making a mess out of our life. He's the one that has come in and redeemed our life. That was all the heavy lifting that he did. That's called salvation. We don't earn that. There's nothing that we can do for that. It's just simply a gift of God to you and to me. How many of you are thankful for that gift? Come on. I love that. Inher- that is our inheritance. And then he calls us into a place of possessing what he's given us through that work on the cross. And for some of us, that, that word might be betterly, better identified as the, the, the sanctification part of our life. This journey that we're on where we're beginning to realize now what we've inherited in God and what that actually looks like in our life on a day-to-day basis. And Jesus, Jason took us into really taking a look at the children of Israel as they passed from being in the desert for 40 years into the promises of what God had for their life. He had already made a declaration long before them of a land that he had set apart for his kids. How many of you know there's some things that God has set apart for you? in your life and in your journey of faith. We know that heaven is to come and I'm excited for that, but heaven is not the only thing that Christ did for us on the cross. And that's, we see this picture from the children of Israel here as well, that God was was leading them into this new promise that he had for them, this wonderful place. And he was inviting them and he used a man named Joshua to say, let's go. Oh, I snuck that one in on you. He used a man named Joshua to call the children of Israel into this promise that God had for them. The challenge was that there were some things in the way of them living in and possessing the promise that God had already made for them. And that's where Jason kind of led us to this last week was this reality that God was, was drawing them into the promised land and had some things for them, but they had to pass through the Jordan River. And that sounds pretty simple, except for that it was a pretty deep and full river. So to go from where they were to the promise that God had for them was going to require something to take place that they could not do on their own. And as I was, we were here on Friday night, we do this thing called Friday Night Fire. Pastor Chris just invites the students to come Friday night, 10 o'clock at night. Good time, right? And we just spend some time with Jesus. There's worship playing and 
we just spent some time hanging out with him and being with him. And I was sitting right over here this week and God spoke to me and he was just kind of walking me through this space of his, his calling for us into possession. And here's what he said. He said, if you are not facing some impossible things in front of you, you're probably not following me. You're definitely not stepping into the promised land of God if you do not have some things in front of you that are impossible. And if you look throughout scripture, God makes that abundantly clear for us. If you're gonna live in the fullness of who God says that you are and what he has for you, there's gonna be some impossible things in front of you. And the reason for that is, is because God needs you to understand that those impossible things are only possible to God. For you, they're overwhelming. I can guarantee you the children of Israel, as they stood on one side of the Jordan, looking at the other side and the promises were going, hey, this is like cool and stuff, God, but how do we get from here to there? And here's what we know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Sometimes God's just got to intervene in our messes of life, in our stuff of life, even in our disobedience in life to bring us into the fullness of what he has already set aside and set apart for us. Sometimes that can be a really hard journey from where we are into the promise that God has for us. I mean, you know, the children of Israel, they were in captivity for a few years. In fact, a few generations. God set them free from that, miraculously brought them out of Egypt, brought them into his provision for their life. He was providing manna from heaven and all the water that they needed. He allowed them to not have their clothing wear out. I need to figure that out because my family is really expensive in that space. God did everything for them as they were wandering through the desert for 40 years. Listen to me, even in their disbelief. God wanted to lead them into the promised land 40 years prior to that, but they just didn't believe that he could do it. And so what he had to do is he had to take them into the desert for 40 years. He had to work Egypt out of them, all of this self-reliance out of them and remind them that he was their God and that only he could do the things that he said he was going to do in their lives. And so as they prepared to cross the Jordan River into the promise, there was something new happening. And Jason said last week that, that the presence of God went before them. In other words, God instructed them, hey, put the ark of my presence out in front. You guys stay behind that thing and you follow where I will lead you. And the reason is, is because God's about ready to do a miracle. He's about ready to take them from where they are in their own capabilities and show them what it looks like to live in the fullness of what he created. I was actually looking through some scriptures this week that just talks about God's provision and victory in our life. And I came across this space in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. It said this, but thanks be to God who always gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to read that verse. Thanks be to God who always always gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, some of you are like going, well, I don't feel like I'm winning. What about? Let me help you with the translation of this scripture. What it's saying is no matter what, when you're walking with God, he'll turn any circumstance into a victory in your life. That doesn't mean it feels good. That doesn't mean that every time you go to the, the ATM, there's a new 
$10,000 sitting in there for you. That doesn't mean that you've got a new car when you walk out of this room. What it means that is no matter what you face in life, you have victory because of Christ. That even means those difficult moments in life where we feel loss, where we feel pain. There's victory in that moment because we are learning how to lean into our relationship with God and let him be the sufficiency for all the areas that we have need in. Church, this is how we find our victory. And this is what God was teaching the children of Israel as they were beginning to come into the prior promised land. And prior to them actually going in and laying hold of some things in the promised land, we see this interesting space in chapter two. So I want you to, to Joshua chapter two, if you would, for me. And there's this really interesting thing recorded in this space. The children of Israel, God spoke to Joshua, said, Joshua, it's time to go. We're gonna cross over the Jordan. They start talking to the people of God, getting them ready to go. And then there's this weird thing that happens in chapter two. We get this story of a lady named Rahab. The Bible clearly describes her to us as a prostitute that lived in the city of Jericho. And the children were, of Israel were going to cross the Jordan. And the first city that they were going to come to that they had to defeat in order to enter into the promises of God for their life was the city of Jericho. And so Joshua sent two spies to go check out the city to go into the city. Now, understand the people of this city had heard about what God had already been doing for the children of Israel, and they were scared. They knew very clearly that the God that could split the Jordan River could probably take care of them as well, could, could move them out of the way. They had already known that, that God had spoken to the children of Israel, to the Israelites, and that he was giving them the promised land. And now these people that were living in Jericho and Ai and all these other cities in this area knew very clearly that this God was now bringing these people to where they currently live. And there's this amazing story of this lady named Rahab. And the beautiful part of it is, is these two spies come into Jericho they met this lady, Rahab, and she invited them into her home to have a place of refuge. And the, the people of Jericho knew that there were spies among them, and they were trying to hunt them down. They were trying to find them so that they could not take the report back to Joshua and the children of Israel. And Rahab brings these people, these two spies into her home, and she has a conversation with them. She says, hey, listen, remember me. Remember me. Your God is going to deliver our city into your hands. I know that. She, she, she was a believer. Let's put it this way. She was a believer. She just knew. She knew that. And she said, hey, remember me and my family when you come and you take over our city. Remember the kindness that I have shown to you. She interceded on behalf of her family. She stood in the gap for her family and the generations to follow after her. She said, hey, remember me in a moment. God gives us this beautiful story and picture of this mother that stood in the gap for her family and was pleading with the children of Israel, specifically these two spies, to spare them when they were gonna come take over their city. And the cool part of this is, is not only does God honor that in her, but let me give you a little bit of history on Rahab. Most of us view her because scripture says as a prostitute, but Rahab actually is part of the lineage of Christ. There's this, there's this amazing journey through this, 
this lady's life where we see that because of her faithfulness and because of her heart for God, that God gives her a, a new legacy for her life and her family because of her faith. Here's the beauty of here. She, she married Solomon and was the mother of a guy named Boaz. Anybody remember Boaz? Yes, the same Boaz from the book of Ruth, who through her ancestors, David was born. And from the same line of David came the person of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. From this one single lady in a city that was promised to the children of Israel, that opened up her heart, interceded for her family, God brought the Savior of the world through that. Can you, can you even imagine that? Like, think of the wisdom of God. Think of the legacy that came from this one. And, and most of the time, we read about these two spies going to this lady Rahab's house in the city of Jericho, and it just is like this weird blip on the map of, wait, we're taking over the world, right? Like, there's this... There's this reality that oftentimes we miss that God put this beautiful sto story right here in the middle of his conquering of a land. Moms and ladies, I just want to look at you and say, hey, listen, all the things that you think are insignificant, all the moments of prayer, all the places of intercession, all the sacrifice that you make is building legacy for things that you don't even know about to come. Mom, all those moments on your knees, all the tears that you've cried, all the frustrations that you've felt is building legacy for those that are coming behind you. Listen to me. Rahab's kids, grandkids, and generations to follow had no idea that her place of faith would lead them into the promises of God for their life. But because of her faithfulness, her kids and the generations that came after her were safe and were adopted into the family of God because of her faithfulness. Moms, what you do is more important than you can even imagine. Keep praying. Keep believing. Keep interceding for your family. Keep being the one that stands in the gap. Keep being the one that is generous. Keep being the one that, that teaches kindness. All of those things are building legacy that God put at the very opening space of the promise that he was revealing to the children of Israel. The story of this amazing lady. So moms, ladies, the impact that you have is far more important than you probably even understand. But God celebrates that even before, listen to me, they celebrate their first victory in the promised land. He celebrates this lady's life that had faith and expectation for her future. So Joshua chapter three is where we're gonna kind of kick off the, the, the launching of what God was bringing them into. Joshua chapter three, verse one. And we're gonna, we're gonna take a little look at this today and recognize that the journey that God had for the children of Israel to enter into the promise. Everybody say promise. promise. Everybody say promise. promise. The thing that, the journey that God had them on first began with a miracle that only he could do. And then was seconded only by a moment of remembrance, what Emily was talking about this morning, before they conquered anything. 
I just want to speak this over your life today. God will always do a miracle in your life so that you're reminded that the promise that he has for you originates with him, not you. And then he wants you to take a few moments to remember those in your life. And he gave us a beautiful model of that right here in Joshua chapter three, verse one. Here's what it says. Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left the Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your position and follow them. Can I just tell you that is maybe some of the best instruction you will ever get in your life. When you see God moving out, When you see God moving, pack it up. Follow wherever he is going. We as a people want to be right where he is at. We want to be moving with what he's doing. I'm just speaking into your life right now. There's some things that God wants to bring you into victory and promise him, and he's moving on them. You got to pack up and follow him. You, you got to move into the new things, the new promises, the new freedoms, the new deliverances, the new whatever he's calling you into, in your, the new relationships, the new health in your life, the new places of some financial freedom for you. You, you got to pack up and move. If you stay where you're at, you will never experience the promise that he has for you. Verse four goes on to say, since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. There are some things that God is leading you to in your life that you have no idea where you're going. But he does. He's been there, done that. And his presence is going before you, making the way for you to live in this new promise that he has for you. You're not leading the way. He is. You're not the one that knows what's out in front of you. You're not the one that knows the the giants that have to be conquered. You're not the one that even knows the path where to go. So this is a place of trust. It's a place of faith. You cannot follow God into your promise without faith in him leading you. And his instruction to us is really quick. Listen, follow me. I know where I'm going. But God, I mean, I've got this one handled. I know how to handle this dating relationship. God, I've got this all figured out. Famous last words. God, no, really, I've, I, I've, I've got this, this job thing. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go try that one and then I'm gonna go try that one next week. And, then, and God's just saying, hey, would you follow me? Because I'd really like to bless you in your life. I would like to lead you into something that you could have never come up with on your own. Hello? You've never been there, but I have. I'd like to help you in this. Come on, anybody's faith being built this morning? Like, you've got to understand, God's trying to lead you some places that he already knows the blessing that he has for you in it, but you're trying to lead the way to something that you don't even know where you're going. Just slow your roll for a second and trust him. He's God. He's got this. Yeah, but his timing seems all off. It just seems a little wonky and weird. Like, I, I should be a millionaire by now. I should be married by now. I should have this job by now. I should have that house by now. I should have this career by now. And God's going, hey, I've got you. Just follow me. I'll lead you into the promise that I have 
for your life. How many of you know it's just better God's way? <laughs> it is so, I don't understand why we are so slow to pick this up. I'm just glad that we're in really good company because the children of Israel struggle with this as well. But like his way is just better. It is just better when we follow where the spirit of God is leading us, it will be better. And he gave them very, very, very clear instructions in that. Verse five says, then Joshua told, told the people, purify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among them. God already had the promise out ahead of them. He knew where he was taking them. And he's saying, okay, now here's your part. You have a part to play in this. Set your heart aside. Consecrate yourself for me. Not for Jericho. Not for Ai. Not for the land flowing with milk and honey. Not for all. Set yourself apart for me. Trust me. Look at me. Purify yourself. Let, let your heart be made pure. And really what this is getting to is their motivations in their life. God was getting to the root of every one of our hearts and he was doing it with the children of Israel. Hey, listen, I, I, I need to remind you, you're not gonna get this done on your own. Consecrate yourself. Set your heart apart in me. Come on, God has some amazing things he wants to do in your life. And I guarantee you the limiting factor is not him. It's us. We get in the way, so I, I do it all the time. And I always find myself getting back on my knees before God and saying, God, I'm sorry that I took the reins of this in my life. I'm sorry that I felt like I could control this better than you. Like, God, would you forgive me? And you know what the amazing thing is? Every time he says, yes, I will forgive you. Come follow me. We've got an amazing journey to go. And this is what the Spirit of God is speaking to you and me. Right? And then God does the miracle for them here. Like he does this thing that only he can do. Verse six, in the morning, Joshua said to the priest, lift up the Ark of the Covenant and lead the people across the river. And so they started out and went ahead of the people. Let's go. Thank you guys. Let's go. Come on. God has some incredible spaces to take you in life and he's the one that's going to part the seas that are in front of you. He's the one that's going to lead you into those things. And then you know the amazing thing about this is, as they cross across the Jordan, as they begin to enter into the promised land, the first thing that God instructs them to do is to stop and build an altar of remembrance. Before they lived in any of the houses of the promised land, before they experienced any of the wonderful growth of the fruit and the, the produce and all the promise of God, before they had any of that in their life, God said, I want you to stop for a moment. I want you to build an altar of remembrance. Now listen to me. So that with the generations that are going to come after you are reminded of how awesome that I am. Look at this in, in Joshua 4, verse 21. It says, Then Joshua, uh, Joshua said to the Israelites, In the future, your children will ask, What do these stones mean? Parents, in the future, your children are going to look at you and say, What has God done in your life? Why, why are we here in Boise? God, why do we have, Dad, why do we have what we have? Mom, why do we, why? 
And the first thing that's supposed to come out of our lips is because God. Because God. This is what he established with the children. They didn't go win a battle. They didn't fight anybody. The first thing they did was set up a reminder for the generations to come to be able to look back and go, God, 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 God is awesome. Naya and I were doing devotions this week and as we were driving to school and it was talking about just the beauty and the wonder of what God's created in creation, the blueness of the sky and all of these things. And, and it was really cool because it said, you know what? God creates some things just for us to, to stop and go, wow, God. He creates some things that just blow our mind in such a way or he does some things in our life that just cause us to stop and go, wow, God, that's incredible. This was one of those moments. After God had performed a miracle for them, he was saying, now listen, mark this thing. This is an important moment. Mark it. So that in the generations that are to follow you, you have something to point to to remind them of my faithfulness, not only to you, but to them. Parents, we need to build some altars in our lives, in our homes. I'm not talking weird here. I'm talking... We need to have some conversations with our kids that are altars, stones that are built in their life that they can look back on and go, I remember when God provided for our family right there. I remember when God did this thing in our church and in our city. I remember when he, 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 he miraculously provided for us in such a way that it could only be him. And it points the hearts of our children back to their creator. Parents, as awesome as you are, you did not create your children. There's only one who's responsible for that. And our responsibility as parents and as grandparents and as the body of Christ is to point the attention of our kids to the awesomeness and the wonder of our God. It goes on to say, Then you can tell them, this is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes and kept it dry until you were all across, just as he did at the Red Sea when he dried it up until uh, we had all crossed. Uh, He did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful and so you might fear the Lord forever. Church, this is legacy. This is legacy. Not how much wealth you build for your family, not the type of careers that we have. Those are all important. They're influences in our life. But legacy, listen to me, legacy is where we get to point back and say, God did this thing right here. For all of us, we get to point back and say, God saved me at this point in my life and rescued me from a mess that I was making of my life. That's called salvation. Parents, that's a, that's a place of building an altar. Some of you have had God do miraculous things. I just think of Jason and the miraculous work that God did in his life of sparing his life from a brain tumor. That, how many of you know that that is an altar for their family to go to and for him and Ellie to be able to point at and say, God spared my life right there. And it was the sovereign hand of God. I have the craziest stories of my life growing up time and time again where God literally spared my life from death because of his mercy. Because That's a memorial stone that we're building an altar that points to the greatness of God. 
Notice that God did all of these things, a miracle and a moment of remembrance before they ever conquered one enemy in their life. Why? Listen to me. Because you will never conquer the enemies of your life if you're still looking at you. You will never conquer the enemies of your life if you're looking at the enemies. The only way that you will conquer the enemies of your life and live in the promise that God has for you is when your eyes are fixed on him. Why? Because he's the only one that can win those battles anyway. The struggles that you wrestle with in your life, the addictions that you have, the hangups that you have, the bad attitudes that you have. Can I just tell you, those are all parts of being human. God wants to supernaturally intervene in your life and show you that as the God of creation, he can help you conquer those enemies in your life. But before any of that's going to take place, you got to see him. You got to be reminded of him, of his power and his grace. So we see the children of Israel crossing through a miracle, remembering in a moment, and then they come to their first real obstacle. They are now in the promise land. Can you imagine what that must have been like? Like they'd crossed the river, God did a miracle. They're in the promised land. And now they come to this fortified city called Jericho, which was pretty intense in their time. And they come to the city and it is completely shut up. It's completely closed up. And God spoke to them and said, I've given you this city. And not only that, but God spoke to him and said, and when you conquer it, everything in it belongs to me. Why did God give them that instruction entering into the promise that he had given for them? Let me give you a picture. Because it was the tithe. It was the first fruits of what God had given to them. And just like you and I, just like in the provision of our life, God was going to make the provision for them to conquer the entirety of the promised land. And the first space that they came to, God spoke to them and said, this belongs, don't take anything for yourself. Why? Because he knew there were so many cities and places, and wealth, and farmland, and all of that to come after this initial victory. He already had made all that provision for him. What he was doing was testing their hearts to put him first. And can I just tell you the same thing is in place for our lives. Everything that God has called you to in promise will begin with us yielding and trusting him from the get-go. That was the tithe for the children of Israel was the first city that they came to. He could have picked the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and said it was mine, but he didn't. He picked Jericho, the very first one. And it's really interesting as we kind of wrap up today that as the children of Israel came to Jericho, there was this overwhelming understanding that they weren't going to be able to like, just like attack the city. They had their plans in their minds, I'm sure. Joshua and all the warriors were thinking through this. And here's what God does for them. Here's what God does is he begins to talk with them, begins to prepare them. First of all, he just says, I've given you this city. How many of you know when God gives you a promise, it's done? I did not hear nearly enough uh, response to that. When God gives you a promise, it's done. God's never lied once. 
He's not going to lie. He's not going to start with you. I promise you that. I mean, you're important. You're not that important. He's not going to break his character over you. And so when God gives us promises, church, come on now. When God gives you promises, both through his word and as he speaks to you, I mean, you know, he's going to be faithful to that thing in your life. And it was the same thing with the children of Israel. They came and in front of them was this incredible obstacle, this challenge, this first enemy that they had to face and to drive out. And it was the city of Jericho. How many of you have ever seen the Veggie Tales? Come on now. I know some of you are already thinking about this, right? These guys bouncing around the city, right? And they're, they're pouring Slurpees on them. And it's just this weird picture. But it is so true that typically when we face the enemies of our life, they just look huge. They mock us. They're making fun of us. You feel that pressure all the time in your life. You can't be a Christian and, and be in public school, or you can't be a Christian and in your workplace. You just feel all this weird tension around you, and God's already said, hey, I've already given you that promised land. It's already yours. It's a done deal. Just do what I'm asking you to do. And, he, and here's what God says. He just gave them very simple instructions. And I, I just want want to say this, sometimes God's going to ask you to do things for your victory that don't make any sense at all. Sometimes God's going to ask you to do some things, and I, I just feel like this in my spirit and heart for somebody in this room today, that you're trying to get out of financial trouble in your life, and God's going to ask you to give. Doesn't make any sense. You don't, you don't put those two things together and go, oh, oh yeah, that, that's, that's the best way for that to work out. God oftentimes leads us into our promise by making us face our greatest fears in that space. Why? Because he wants to remind you that he's God and he's got this. So look at Joshua chapter 6. They had their plan. Remember, God had already told them they were going to the promised land. They had gotten all their warriors together. They were ready for this fight. And here's what happened. It says, but the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its kings, and all its strong warriors. Remember, this is the word of the Lord. God said, I have given to you. I have given to you Jericho. He names it. Can I just say that God has spoken some things in your life? I have given you, given you a spirit of power and love and a sound mind, not fear. God has given to some of you guys. I've given you the gift and the spirit of God inside you, I've put a deposit in you. I've called you. I've chosen you. I've set you apart. Now go do what I'm, I'm telling you to do. Like he's inviting you into that space and there's this place of faith that has to come. But God has already spoken. He's not going to change his mind. Can I also tell you, God doesn't like repeating himself. He will. And we see that through scripture every once in a while. But most of the time when he says, hey, I've given you Jericho, he wants you to, to come to the place of faith in your life where you go, God, you've given me Jericho. Well, but the walls are still up. The gates are closed. The people are on top, throwing Slurpees at us. Like, it's weird. Like, it's not, God's saying, I have given you it. Now follow my instruction and plan. Here's what he goes on to say. You and your fighting men should go and wage war on the walls of the city. I'm going to show you a weak spot in the walls and you guys are going to go in and what? Is that what it says? Does it say, hey, I'm going, to, I'm going to teach you at this point in time, the best military strategy ever. Is that what God said? 
Did God say, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you what gunpowder is and this is gonna be really cool. We're gonna have some fun, right? No, he didn't. Here's God's instruction to take over a city. You and your fighting men should march around the city, to, uh, the town once a day for six days. Can you imagine what they're thinking? Oh, okay, okay. Uh, seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. This is the weirdest strategy ever for taking over a city. It makes zero logical sense to a natural human mind. Why are we going for a walk? What? What? What are we doing? It doesn't make any sense what God is asking them to do. And he goes on to say, when you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can, then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. Say what? God, you've put a call on my life. I know you've, you've, you've got amazing things. God, I'm living in the promised land. But God, I've got this enemy in front of me that I've got to defeat. Yeah, here's what I want you to do. I, I, I want you to be generous. But God, that doesn't make sense because I'm trying to get out of financial debt. Yeah, I, I know it doesn't make any sense. Just trust me. God, you want me to march around a city? And then at the end of that, we're going to have a concert and shout? Like that? That's, that's really the strategy. Like, can you imagine being Joshua in that moment? And going to the children of Israel and saying, okay, here's what we're going to do, everybody. We're going to go on a walk this afternoon. I want you to be quiet the whole time. Parents, keep your kids chill, right? And we're just going to walk around the city. And then we're going to come back and have dinner and chill out tonight. And everybody's going, oh, okay. And then Joshua says, and we're going to do that tomorrow. And the next day, we're actually going to do that for six days. And then at the end of that, we're all going to do that six times. And then on the final time around, we're going to have a little bit of a concert. And then we're going to shout. And we're going to hope the walls of this place come tumbling down. Because that's what God said. was. Can you imagine communicating that to people? Like, we all sit here and go, yeah, we have hindsight of going, oh, it worked. Yeah, how would you like to be the guy giving that instruction? How many times does God lead you into some spaces of your life that, that you've got some, some enemies that need to be taken out? How many fortified cities have been built inside of your promised land that God wants you to have victory in? Maybe it's fear or doubt or unbelief. I don't know what they are in you, but here's what I do know. God's already provided the victory for you in them. The question is, will you fight those battles on your terms or his? And your answer to that question will be to determine your victory. It's as simple as that. The children of Israel could have said, well, Joshua, that's an interesting plan you got there. But we think these swords and these shields and these spears and these arrows are way better than going for a little walk. So we're going to try it our way first. 
How many of you know they would have never experienced the victory over Jericho if they would have tried it their way? But because they'd put their attention on God and he had split the Jordan River the day before, they just decided, today we'll have some faith. We'll trust God this week, right? How many of you know that some weeks you just feel that way? Some weeks God had just got done doing something amazing in your life and it's not hard to have faith for that first enemy that's in front of you. Can I tell you, it's not, not Jericho that's really the hard one. It's AI and it's all the other cities that come after that because you need to be reminded of the faithfulness of God in your life. As God brings you to your enemies, here's, here's really the, the crux of today's message for you. God's going to bring your enemies to you, listen to me, one at a time. He's going to put them in front of you. Notice that the children of Israel weren't trying to conquer Jericho, Ai, all these other cities that surround. It was just one at a time. And in each one of these spaces of victory that God wanted to bring in the children of Israel's life, as they were entering into the promise, God did something different in each one of them. Why? Because he didn't want it to be about their strategy or planning. He wanted them to remember that he had provided this for them. So with the things that you're facing in your life, here's what I want to tell you. You may be feeling very overwhelmed. Maybe you're feeling in your life as a, a dad or a mom or as a student, I, I got character issues I got to deal with in my life and I got financial issues and I got relational issues and I just don't even know where to begin. Where do I start? And God says, with the one that I put in front of you right now. Whatever your Jericho is, I don't, I don't know what it is for your life, but I can guarantee you this, God's giving you the grace to conquer Jericho, not Ai at this moment in your life. God's giving you the grace to handle the battle that's in front of you right now if you'll do it his way and in his timing, you'll see the walls come tumbling down. It'll be a miracle. The crux of that is, is you got to take one enemy at a time. You got to just slow down for a second, not get overwhelmed by all the other voices that are in your life and just go before God and say, God, what's the... What's the first enemy that we're going to take out today, this week. And believe me, there's going to be lots of chatter in every other way, right? I'm guaranteeing you there was other people that wanted to go to another city and conquer that one. And there's this, this looks better over here. There's all the wrestling that takes place inside of us. And God's just saying, hey, trust me. I've got this for you. I've got victory for you. And it starts with Jericho. I don't know what it is in your life. But I do know this, that if you'll do it God's way, the victory will be yours. And we sing about this all the time. We, we actually sing this song, Defender. And a lot of times I see people's faces puzzled when the beginning part of that song says that you go before me and you kill my enemy and you cut their head off. And you bring it back and you say that this is my victory. That doesn't even make any sense, God. You're the one that did it. The reason we sing songs like that is the reminder that God is the one that wins our battles for us. What our part to play in that is to follow him, his instruction. And notice that God gave them very specific instruction. He didn't say on the first day you walk around once, on the second day you walk around twice. No, he said, hey, every day, just one time, just take your lap around the city, right? And then on the final day, here's what I want you to do. Can I tell you, God has that kind of specific instruction for you to defeat the enemies in your life. He's already given you everything that you need to win, but I just want you to know right now, as you face those things in your life, he has very specific instruction for you. 
Thanks again for listening to this message. Do you know someone who'd be blessed by it? Make sure to share it with them this week.